Hello, and welcome to season two of the Working While Homeschooling podcast, the podcast for workingwhilehomeschooling.com, where our mission is to help homeschooling parents make money, maybe even have a career while continuing to homeschool and without losing their sanity. My name is Julie, and I am your host and resident career coach today. I want to thank you all for joining us and listening in. I hope you're doing well. On today's episode, we'll be talking to Amy, a special needs consultant. So, can you introduce yourself, please? My name is Amy Bodkin. I'm the special needs consultant at Charlotte Mason Plenary. Okay, so tell us exactly what does that mean? Um, Well, I have training as a school psychologist. So, I have an educational specialist in school psychology with an emphasis in neuropsychology. Um, I I'm an autistic adult, so I have personal experience. And then I also have kids with special needs. So I also have experience of what it is like at home with the kids. So I get to come at it from three directions. Mm-hmm. And then what I do is usually work with special needs families on helping them figure out where their kid is at, um, what types of curriculums and approaches would work best for their child, where they're at, what the next step they need to work on as far as um, trying to help their child continue to grow and develop is, um, those kinds of things. Awesome, awesome. Um, so, and then tell us about the, your family and your, and your kids, your homeschooling kids. I have two kids. My oldest is a girl, Jessica, and she is almost 12. And my youngest is a boy. His name's John, and he is nine. Um, We have a slew of special needs at our house. Um, Autism, dyslexia, dysgraphia, auditory processing disorder, um, hyperlexia, nonverbal learning disability. We've got quite the collection going. (laughs) Yeah, I, I, I definitely can. I know that resonates a lot, a lot of the audience and, and me as well, for sure. Um, uh-huh. Now, I know you mentioned to me previously that obviously you guys are using a Charlotte Mason approach, but have you got have you found certain programs, curriculums, and so on that kind of make that work well for your family that make this working while homeschooling life a little bit easier? Um, yes. So. One of my favorite tools is called a goalie. It is a brand new piece of assistive technology. It looks kind of like a cell phone, um, but it doesn't have access to any apps. It has um, basically scheduling apps with visual and auditory reminders. And so it will start to make noise, have a visual countdown of what you're supposed to be doing, and the parent is able to plug their um, to-do list for the child into the device. And then the child is able to um, use that device to uh, basically check off a list. And then you're able to see on your cell phone, on your app, how it works and like what they've done. And then it will also award points that you can exchange in any way in your home. But I like to think of it as taking the opportunity to outsource your executive functioning because executive functioning is one of the biggest challenges for kids with developmental delays. And as an adult, yeah, yeah, as an adult, I tend to outsource mine to my phone. 
Right. But I don't want my kids outsourcing it to a phone because they tend to get distracted by games and such. So. Right. Right. Um, I mean, honestly, I was listening to that. I'm going, oh, my gosh, it's like outsourcing the nagging. So, like, you're not yes. being the nag anymore, which is yes. would be fun. And you get to keep it positive, too, and it gives them a bit more independence as well, which is nice because they want more independence. They, they want help. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, that's really the stage I'm at as well with mine being 11 and 13 is – they're, they want the independence. They should be able to have the independence at their age, but frankly, I'm really nervous about giving them the independence because it really hasn't gone super well in the past. So, yeah. and, the, and, it, and usually it has nothing, like you said, it has nothing to do with them. It's that executive function that just... Right. I was never good at it as a kid either. <laughs> exactly. They just need some training wheels. Right. Um, now, there's another company. I really like a lot of their stuff. Um, it's called Gander Publishing. Mm-hmm. And they put out a program called Visualizing and Verbalizing, which we have used with my son. Um, so in your brain, you have two visualization systems. There is your gestalt imagery, which is basically, it's your concept imagery. It's like making a movie in your head of what you're reading or hearing. And since memory is encoded visually, that's how we find out um, what something's about. Mm-hmm. And so uh, it's how we remember and how we comprehend. My son had a lot of trouble with that. And if he um, heard something, he might not remember. He'd only remember a few words. And so right. um, we got the visualizing and verbalizing program and the visualizing and verbalizing program we used it for one year maybe close to 18 months we we did it very slowly we didn't follow the exact instructions we spread it out so it was a little every day and got through maybe 25 percent and in that about a year time he gained five grade levels in listening comprehension wow that's huge shocking yes um now my daughter has dyslexia and so there's another program that they have that is for symbol processing, and that's your other visualization system. Um, that's where you can see letters in your head. And I'm dyslexic too. And so when I visualize words, I can only visualize probably up to five letter words. And so um, I will, I, I just, I can only picture like five at a time at mm-hmm. most. And my daughter can only picture three at a time. And so this other program called Seeing Stars is supposed to get at building up your symbol visualization system so that you can visualize longer and longer words, which is really useful, especially with spelling, because you have to be able to visualize the word to spell it. Right. So, you know, if I want to spell a long word, then I have to spell the first three to five letters, then re-spell the word in my head, and then re-spell it again. So, and that's, yeah, that's a lot of steps. It's very tedious. And uh, so I'm hopeful that seeing stars will have the same impact that visualizing and verbalizing had for my son. Um, oh, but I don't know of any curriculums that get at those same basic um, neural processing areas. So. Well, I will say with mine, and I know we're going off tangent listeners, so, you know, ignore us or listen, but whatever. Um, so I will say with mine, it, it wasn't the schoolwork. We, we, 
my daughter, who is hyperverbal and high functioning, um, also has extremely low to no, none language processing, which we I never realized because she's so freaking verbal. Um, mm -hmm. And she's like, if you know, you do the like, you know, how does your child learn thing on the internet? Basically, she was like almost a zero in auditory learning, which was weird for me because she's so, she talks all the time. So you would right. think those two go together, and they don't. Yeah, um, input and output are not the same. <laughs> well, yeah. I, like, you know, it yeah. seems obvious to me now, but at the time I was like, wait a minute, how can you be zero in auditory? You don't stop talking. And I realized okay. because she, she honestly doesn't hear herself. She doesn't listen to herself. Well, um, and also, I don't know if she does this or not, but one of the tricks I discovered since my auditory input didn't work as well, having auditory processing issues, I learned to compensate by overusing my output. So well, the more I used my it. output, the more I could find out if people were agreeing, is that what you were trying to say? And I right. could kind of bounce ideas around. Right, right. Um, and that, that was just kind of mind-blowing to me at the time because, you know, being a girl with high-functioning, um, she was diagnosed very late, which is normal. Right. Um, or more, it shouldn't be, but it is. Um, so, but like you mentioned the visualizing and verbalizing, that's actually one of the things, my girls, we have realized now we have issues with, but ours actually tend to be more emotional in nature. So... She can feel the feeling, but she can't tell you what she's feeling. Uh -huh, and she can't uh -huh. talk about it. So yes. like, so like something happened, we know with some kid and some group or whatever, and she got in trouble for it. Um, but it took her like three or four days to literally calm, come down off the ledge and calm down. Uh -huh. So she could actually tell me what happened. Whereas so if she'd been able to tell me in that moment, she wouldn't, I, I would have like said, oh, no, no, that's not what you get in trouble for. I'm going to go after that and we're going to fix that. So like, you know, she was honestly defending herself mm -hmm. in one of those kind of situations. And I'm like, if, and I looked just like, look, if I had known none of this would have happened, you would have never been in trouble. But because right. you couldn't tell me, I couldn't take, like, I couldn't help you. I couldn't take care of you. I couldn't defend you. I couldn't stick up for you. All those things that moms do. Right. right. Exactly. And, all the, and all those things that you want to do, but because I'm only hearing like a random adult in the room story and they didn't have the story, you know, they just kind of overheard something random. Exactly. Then, and you're not getting her perspective then. Right. And so it took her like three or four days. And by that time it was almost too late. Like I couldn't go to the right. adult and say, okay, this is what really happened. And so now you need to go yell at this other kid because nobody would remember it except for my daughter at that moment. You know? Exactly. Exactly. And um, I've discovered that with a lot of the language, like the auditory coming in and then the output, um, one of the things that has helped us a lot has been using narration, which is something that's, you know, really big with Charlotte Mason, but it's not just a Charlotte Mason thing. Right. Uh, because. Think of that. And mm -hmm. I never knew because we started off Charlotte Mason and I'm like, this is what the book says to do. So this is what I'm going to do. And she hated it. And I never knew why. Mm -hmm. 
Yes, and you have to, especially with kids who have developmental delays, um, you have to start with where their receptive language is, which is usually lower than their expressive mm -hmm. language. And so that's a common problem that I hear from parents using the Charlotte Mason method with special needs kids. Is that they're like, my kid can't narrate, it's very frustrating, they don't like it. And I'm like, okay, I think you need to bring your books back down a little and use those lower books for narration. You can still read more difficult books, but you have to practice narrating back. And some of our kids with language delays haven't had as much practice um, and still have some developing to do. Yeah. I wish I, like, honestly, I had understood all of this when she was younger, but I will yeah. tell you the narration was, like, I read that and I'm going, well, that's dumb. Uh, <laughs> because I was like, okay, I get why you're trying to do that, but it just yeah. seems like a waste of time to me. And I didn't, I, okay, again, I was like, I kind of skimmed the Charlotte Mason approach. I'm going, oh, I like, yes, yes, that's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. But I never really got into the narration personally because I never saw the point. Well, things like narration and picture study, where you're looking at a picture and then you don't look at it and you describe what you saw. It sounds kind of simplistic. It sounds you know? preschool. Yeah, I mean, but when you think about it, it's actually training the neural pathways to be able to visualize what you're yeah. hearing or talking about and also to be able to um, take those things that you heard and then learn to output it, so. Yeah, I really wish I had had that explained to me better. Like the reasoning behind that better yes. when um, I first started homeschooling, because to me it was like, were they listening? Can they answer basic questions? Like, did they were they paying attention? And, exactly. you know, honestly, and when she was so high functioning, she was so advanced in everything else, frankly, I just thought that was like cheesy little kid stuff and she was beyond that. And I had right. no idea. And maybe we would have caught some of these things earlier. That's kind of like, it's like, you know, if I had understood what I was walking into, but I guess that's what we all do as parents is, you know, if you know what you're walking into, you might have not done it, you know? Uh, very true. Very true. And there have definitely been, I mean, even with all of my training and stuff, um, and my own experiences, there have been things where I go, ah, oh, I should have done that differently. Yeah. Uh, visualizing and verbalizing was one of those for us because I was dyslexic, not hyperlexic, which is the kind of like the opposite of dyslexia. And that's what my son has. That's where he, he started, he taught himself to read yeah. by two, maybe earlier. And that's why he was having the comprehension issues because his uh, symbol imagery, his imagery for letters took off, but he did not develop the visual concept imagery for pictures. So, Okay, okay. Well, let's, let, let me head back to what we're supposed to be talking about today. Um, it's <laughs> a fun tangent. Um, so let's talk about like what a typical working homeschool day looks like in your house. So um, I already mentioned the goalies, and that is a big part of our day. Uh, one of the things that I do with my kids is that they have a daily list of individual things that they do, and that's on the goalies. Um, and so when they get up, they will take their goalie 
and they will start working through that list. And that's going to be things like uh, practice reading, uh, do a math lesson, and I've picked their math curriculum based on the way that their brains think um, <laughs> so that they can do it more independently. I've found if you find a curriculum that speaks to the way that their brains learn best, they are more able to be independent. Absolutely. Um, so, and then um, also they will do some handwriting and I've made use of a handwriting app called Writing Wizard um, that will not let you make mistakes with letter formation. So when they're forming letters, we'll use that. Once they know how to form the letters, then we move on uh, to just writing on paper. Um, they'll have music practice, exercise. I try to keep it kind of um, a lot of different things where they can go back and forth doing different kinds of activities and also short. Right. Um, and then we have some things that we do together. Sometimes it's first thing in the morning, sometimes it's not. <laughs> um, but I rotate that on a loop schedule. And so if we have a three day week because stuff came up, then we just go on to day four of the loop the next week and keep going until we get to the end of the loop and then we restart. Okay. So how does it work in with all of that? Because I know with, you know, honestly, special needs parents, being yeah. able to work is almost like, you know, I hear complaints about that a lot. Is like, you know, being able to work and deal with everything that your child needs is difficult. So how are you fitting all of that in? Okay. So the goalies, they're able to do independently without me around, um, which is nice. And if they take longer, then that's their choice. But we like electronics in our house mm -hmm. and they do not get electronics until all of the work is done. Right. So if they want it, they will have to finish it. And if they want to drag their feet, they're welcome to, but it's better if they can get it done quickly and have time to play and do all sorts of fun things. Um, I do a lot of my work at night and on my phone. Um, so when I take them to music lessons, for instance, I will sit and do work while they're in their lessons. Um, I also will take some time to do it at night. A lot of times, um, since I consult, most of my work is done via email. Uh -huh. And so since um, most of it's done via email, I can actually work while I'm listening to other things, whether it's, you know, sitting and watching a TV show that we've already seen that's not going to be very distracting, or, um, you know, listening to the kids practice music or something like that, as long as it's not too distracting. I can usually do the emails that way. I also have, um, I do some psychological assessments mm -hmm. um, with my consulting um, that is um, included in the consultation. It's not a separate fee. And so I have a lot of that already pre-scanned into the computer. So it kind of simplifies. Uh, so trying to take some shortcuts and keeping it all electronic definitely helps. Um, and then taking advantage, a lot of times of taking advantage of evenings. Um, we do have sleep issues in this house, like many special needs families. Um, so we eventually let the kids just stay up later. Um, so as long as they're playing quietly, they'll stay up and I'll just keep working. Okay. But eventually they will go to bed. <laughs> 
right. and then they'll get up a little later. So sometimes I'll get in a little bit of work in the morning, but a lot of times the consults I can schedule whenever works for me. So a lot of times I'll schedule a video consult when maybe my husband's home and is able to um, take them for a bit or when I know that they've got something else to keep them occupied. So, but most of our schoolwork can be done in two hours if they choose to get it done. Right. And yeah. that's the thing. But so it wouldn't take long if they'll do it. But a lot of it I let them do independently because I want them to figure those things out for themselves. Right. Right. Okay. Awesome. Part of their learning. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling the same thing. So I, um, yes, <laughs> and sometimes they make mistakes when they're learning of how not to do things. The and you know some ways are more efficient than others. Yeah. Uh, but when I'm choosing their individual work, I always keep it at what they can do for themselves by themselves and what they will do. So when they were really small, I started them with a list when they were really small, and it was things like play with Legos, play with dolls, play a game things like that things I knew they could do and then as they've gotten older I've slowly added and made it more difficult to the point that they're doing you know grade grade-ish level work depending on well their level um, but it's not too frustrating or too hard right um, and that's one of the things I did like about the Charlotte Mason I think I, re I really took away was the you know the short like you account for the short attention spans. You don't think a five-year-old's going to sit still for 30 minutes and listen to a lecture. Um, exactly. And I was like, oh, my God, yes, that's what, like, you know, honestly, when you're, when I was first starting out and you, you have this very, you know, um, idealistic view of homeschooling and, you know, kumbaya and all of that. And I was like, oh, yeah. yeah. You basically work for 10 minutes, take a break, work for 10 minutes, take a break, work. And then the next year's work for 15 minutes, take a break, work for 15. And the breaks were anything from like, oh my goodness, I forgot to go flip the laundry. Come everybody, let's go flip some laundry. Like I would make up reasons for us to get up and do heavy work. Mm -hmm. um, just yeah. give their brains a little bit of a break um, and make a move. And then they were ready to come back to it. And that worked really well for us for a while. Um, but, you know, I even see them now. My kids, my oldest will say, she's like, she's like I need to, um, we have one of those little mini trampolines, which by uh -huh. the way, parents, best 50 yes. bucks I ever spent my entire life. And, so true. We have one too. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, she's 13. She's like, I just need to jump. And I'm like, mm -hmm. Um, I remember last week I was like, oh my gosh, where is she? Like, like, did she just disappear? And, um, and my youngest is like, oh no, she's on the trampoline. Because, mm -hmm. you know, I was like, that's a really long bathroom break. Where are you? Where did you go? Like, where are you? And then all, because we have a very small apartment. And I'm like, where is she? Where did she go? She's like, oh no, she's on the trampoline. She'll be back. And I'm like, okay. So like at this point, like they know they need a break. They go take the break and then they're fine and they come back. Yes, and they are beginning to learn a lot of those kinds of skills, too. Yeah. Um, my husband lifts weights and has a weight rack at our house. And so my son actually uses it as his own personal jungle gym. Nice. <laughs> and there's a trampoline under it, so he gets lots of bouncing and climbing and upside down and yes, all yes. kinds of, all those things he needs. Absolutely, absolutely.
So as we wrap up today, do you have any like last words of encouragement or advice or a word of wisdom you would like to leave the parents who might be out there listening today? Yeah. Um, listen to who your child is today. And teach that child. Um, and don't try to do it all. Do just whatever the next thing is. When you worry about what's coming up or what you didn't do well before, you end up creating a lot of anxiety for yourself. And if you can just focus on the next thing, then eventually you'll make it to that entire list. But it's just about what you're doing right now. That's and awesome. it's the same way with kids' education. You yeah. know, we think about, oh my gosh, we've got to get this child graduate high school. We've got all this to do. We need to get a head start so we can make sure we get it all in. But you know, nobody thinks Oh, oh my goodness gracious, I have got to feed my child like 3,000 meals before he leaves my house uh, after, after graduating high school. How am I going to get all those meals in? We better start doing four or five a day so that we don't miss any. <laughs> you know, it's something you just do each day as it comes up. You just do the next meal. So right. it's the same way with education and with work. Do the next thing. Stay right where you're at and just do the next thing. Don't worry about where it's going to end up because it will end up where it's supposed to. That is awesome. Thank you so much for your time today. You are most welcome. Now, as we wrap up our episode today, I want to thank you all for listening in. There are a ton of great podcasts out there, but you chose to spend your time here with me. So thank you. Please be sure to check out the show notes for the links to my site, workingwellhomeschooling.com and all of the great ways that you can reach out to me online. And I do appreciate my listener supporters. So if you're enjoying today's podcast, you too can support me with a small monthly donation that's going to help me continue with great content and interviews like you're hearing today on the Working Well Homeschooling podcast. Just check out the show notes for the link. I also appreciate your online reviews, all of you that have been subscribing to the podcast, and thank you to all of you who have been sharing this with your homeschooling friends. If you know someone that you think is going to be a great guest of our podcast, please let me know at julie at workingwellhomeschooling.com. Thank you for listening in today. Thank you to Amy for being our guest. And everyone, please make sure you're joining us in our Facebook group for a continuing conversation on today's topic and beyond. I look forward to seeing each of you soon at our next podcast for Working While Homeschooling.